Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me. First to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. We'll have a short reading from there, but our sermon text this evening will be from Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45. First, let's begin with Job chapter 9, starting in verse 1. I want to remind you that this is God's inspired and errant and fallible word written for us to hear, to receive, and also to obey. These are not just mere black letters on white page. This is the very word of God. So let's play, pay close attention to his word this evening. Job chapter 9, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Truly I know that it is, is so, but how can a man be in the right before God? If one wished to contend with him, one could not answer him once in a thousand times. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. He who has hardened himself against him and succeeded. He who removes mountains and they know it not, when he overturns them in his anger. Who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. Who commands the sun and it does not rise who seals up the stars, who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea, who made the bear and Orion, the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number. Behold, he passes by me. I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. Behold, he snatches away Who can turn him back? Who will say to him, what are you doing? This concludes our Old Testament reading. Let's look together to Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. Continue with me to heed the word of the Lord. Immediately, He made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Walking on the sea, he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark uses the word immediately over and over and over again. 
And it always falls on the heels of something very, very important. But what it's communicating to us is a sense of immediacy, a sense of urgency. And what happened in the previous passage that we have in our text here in Mark chapter 6 is Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He's led his disciples and a great crowd out into a wilderness place. A wilderness place where they were without bread. And there in that wilderness place, Jesus leads them and guides them like a good shepherd in a wilderness place to gather his sheep, to break them up in small groups, and to have them sit down. And Mark gives us this beautiful detail on green grass. And there the Lord, the shepherd king, meets his people's need in the wilderness place like a good shepherd. Mark wants us to see who Jesus is. He begins, by telling the, he begins his gospel by telling us who Jesus is. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And everything that flows from that point, from verse 1, Mark wants you to see and to behold and to know the glory of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 6, we see that Jesus is our shepherd king when he feeds the 5,000. But what we also see in verse 45 is on the heels of that moment, something happened in the crowd. Something happened among the disciples because Jesus immediately, with urgency, he makes his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. With some sense of urgency, Jesus separates the great crowd that has just participated in this glorious miracle from his disciples, the 12 who each got a little lunch basket full of fish and bread, he separates them immediately saying, disciples, go to the other side, get in the boat and go to the other side. And then he dismisses the crowd. Why the urgency? Why the hurry? Why the need to separate his disciples from this great crowd? Well, John chapter six gives us insight into why that is the case. John tells us in John chapter 6 that the crowds wanted to make Jesus king. They wanted to take him by force and make him king. Jesus sees the hearts, the desires of the, the will of men, and he separates his disciples from them because he will not be made king by the will of men by force. Only the Lord establishes his anointed. Only the Lord calls Jesus and makes Jesus king. It will not be the will of men. It will not be the force of men. It will be the Lord Jesus who sovereignly reigns and rules. The shepherd king is king, but he will not be made king of his people by their forceful will. It's the Lord who establishes his king, who establishes his anointed. And so Jesus immediately separates his disciples from this great crowd and sends them away to Bethsaida. Jesus is always ushering his disciples into new situations where they have to trust him more and they learn more about who he is. And here in this case, we see that Jesus sends them off, sends them away to go to Bethsaida. But you notice what Jesus sends them into. The previous passage, Jesus brought them out into a wilderness place. What are we doing out here without bread? Jesus leads them into this new circumstance, this new situation where they have to trust him. And what does Jesus send them to here in this text? Into the face of a mighty wind. He tells them to row the boat, to take the boat to the other side in the midst of a mighty wind. But before we get there, I want you to see in verse 46 a very important 
part of this passage. It says, and after he had taken leave of his disciples, after he had separated the crowds from his disciples, his disciples obey, they get in the boat, they're on their way. The Lord Jesus Christ leaves them. He goes up onto a mountain to pray. Now, I've learned from reading the scriptures, and I think you've probably seen this, that whenever somebody goes up on a mountain, something's about to go down. If anybody ascends a mountain, something great is going to follow. But Jesus ascends the mountain to have communion and fellowship with his Father. And I want you to mark this, Second Reformed Presbyterian Church. All gospel ministry flows out of communion and union with God. Even the Lord Jesus withdraws from the crowds, those who would make him king. He withdraws from his disciples for a moment. He ascends the mountain, and there he has communion and fellowship with his Father. All gospel ministry flows from union and communion with God. And the Lord Jesus shows us that. So he ascends the mountain. He goes there to pray. But while he is on that mountain, it says, the e- then evening came. It's about 6 p.m. in the evening. The sun's getting ready to set. The, the night is coming to a close. Evening comes, and the boat is now out on the sea. And Jesus is up on the mountain. And he's alone on the land, and his disciples, mark it, are alone in the midst of the sea. And the text tells us in verse 48 that he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. At 6 p.m., Jesus sees them setting out, out on the sea, and they're making headway painfully. Because why? The wind is against them. The Lord Jesus sends them out to cross the sea in the face of a storm. The Lord leads them to to go out into the trouble. The Lord sends them out knowing what's going to happen. He sees what's happening. So I have to ask some questions here where we're at right now in the midst of our time together. What trouble are you facing? What difficulties are going on in your life right now? Personally, does something immediately come up that you can pinpoint? Just, yes, that is hard. This is a difficulty. I'm making headway painfully in the midst of this trouble. What about your home? What about your family? Is there something that you can pinpoint? This is difficult. We're in, we're in need. We're, we're making headway painfully. We could think about our church, not just here locally, but our denomination and the church globally. Even on a day like September 11th, we know that we are prone to face many days of many hardships and many troubles, even as a nation. What about all of us who live on this terrestrial ball? What, what kind of troubles do we face just as people who live here on earth? Now, I've brought that pretty far out. What is it that you face? What a difficulty do you face? Because all of us are facing some sort of difficulty, making headway painfully. First, I want you to see from this text that whatever it is that you have identified in your life, we know what it is for the disciples. They've been told to cross the Sea of Galilee. They're making headway painfully. But note, note that the sovereign Lord, the King of glory, Jesus himself, in verse 48, it says that he saw them. 
He knew where they were. He saw their trouble. He saw the difficulty they're in. He's not surprised by it. He's aware of it. The Lord also sees you. He knows the hardship and the trial that you're facing. He knows the questions that keep you awake at night. He knows those feelings of anxiety that you have when something triggers a response that causes anxiety in your heart. The Lord is aware. Jesus sees his disciples making headway painfully. He also sees you in your circumstances. The Lord knows. The Lord sees. But what does the Lord do when he sees his disciples making headway painfully when the wind is against them? Now, I'm not much of a sailor. I don't own a boat. My wife has told me I will never own a boat. But I know, I've been on a lake once or twice when it was storming, and we had a motor on the back. But can you imagine going against the wind in a sailboat, but the wind is against you? You have to row. You would be exhausted. You would be burnt out from exerting so much energy, trying to make way against the wind while the wind is blowing against you. And we get this small detail in this text. Jesus sends them out about 6 p.m. to cross the sea. But Mark tells us in verse 48, it's about the fourth watch of the night when Jesus comes to them. Now that might not mean much to us who live by a clock and think in terms of what hour is it? Is it the quarter hour? Is it the half hour? Three quarters of hour? Where are we at in time? The fourth watch of the night means from 6 p.m. to about 3 a.m., anywhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., That's the fourth watch of the night. They have been making headway painfully all night long. They have been in the storm fighting against the wind. Again, the text, exerting so much energy. They are exhausted. And there, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., we see this gracious thing. The Lord sees them, the Lord knows, but then it says, He came to them. The Lord came to them in their distress. The Lord came to them in their trouble. But remember, they're on the sea, and he's on the land. Now, I know that we've grown up, and you might have heard this story time and time again. Maybe some of you are hearing this text for the very first time, but don't let this just pass by your ears. He comes to them walking on the sea. Okay, maybe you didn't hear me. Jesus comes to them, Walking on the sea, a man begins to walk as if the waters have turned into concrete. He walks on the sea, trampling over the waves, sovereignly strolling in the midst of a storm on the surface of the sea. Who does that? Who can do this? The disciples see it and they they make the right conclusion. It's got to be a ghost. It's got to be a specter. It's got to be some sort of spirit because men don't do that. He's walking on the sea. Let us be in awe of that. Let us be aware of that because Jesus, a man sent to us by God, is trampling over the waves in the midst of a storm. And I don't know what it was like. I can't imagine what it was like. But it doesn't seem like he's making 
headway painfully. It seems he's walking with confidence. But he does come to them. Brothers and sisters, the Lord sees you in your distress. The Lord sees you in your trouble. He sees us in the predicaments we find ourselves in. He sees. He knows. We learn this next sentence. And he will act. He will come to you. And Jesus comes to them sovereignly, gloriously, walking on the sea. And the text tells us at the end of 48 that he meant to pass by them. This phrase here is not given to us in order to figure out Jesus' destination or his direction. This isn't about direction, and it's not about destination. When Mark tells us he meant to pass by them, we need to know our Old Testaments. We need to understand what's going on in the context of all of Scripture. This isn't about destination. This isn't about direction. This is about revelation. Jesus intends to pass by them as the Lord God passed by Moses when he revealed his glory to him and preached and uttered who he was, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding by steadfast love and mercy. He passed by Moses, revealing who he is. It's all about revelation. It also happened to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. It says that the glory of the Lord passed by Elijah, and Elijah knew that it was the Lord. Mark is showing us that Jesus intends to pass by them, not because he's wanting to beat them to the other side. This isn't a race. Jesus passes by them in order to show them who he is. They're right. It's not a ghost, but it's not a mere man either. Who is this that sees his people in their distress, who comes to them walking on the sea? It is the Lord, the King of glory, the sovereign God. Job tells us that he is the one who tramples over the sea. Do you see him? Do you know him? Have you heard about who Jesus is? God's anointed sent to us with authority to cast out demons, to heal diseases, to forgive sin, to raise the lame and allow them to walk again. The sovereign Lord who has authority to proclaim to you that you are children of God if you believe on him. This is the sovereign Lord, and he intends to show his disciples that it is not a mere man who passes by them. It is not a ghost or a spirit. He wants them to see that this is the sovereign Lord who sees and who comes to them in their distress. But when they saw him, verse 49 says, when they saw him walking on the sea, and they do perceive that something's going on there, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, For they all saw him and were terrified. Now, it's one thing to be really, really tired. And just at the end of the day, you're like, I just cannot do it anymore. You've been rowing all night. You're exhausted. Maybe you've had a day like that recently where you're just wiped because it's been a very difficult day. These men are exhausted. But then they perceive that there's a ghost in their midst. And when you're exhausted and fear strikes your heart, that's terror. 
when you are so afraid and so full of fear and your body just gives way, you have no strength to like rile yourself up and take courage. That's what terror is. Exhaustion meets fear. You can't fight and you can't run. You just freeze. Have you been there before? Have you been in that place where you're so exhausted and then you encounter something so difficult that you become full of terror? That's how Jesus meets his disciples in this encounter. They saw him and they were terrified. Exhaustion meets fear. What do you expect Jesus to do in that moment as he's gloriously in all of his divine nature in his manhood, revealing his glory to them, showing forth his power, trampling over the ways? What do you expect Jesus, when he sees them and he comes to them, what do you expect him to say to them in that moment? We've heard the text. You know what's coming. But I wonder, what, what do you anticipate? What kind of voice would you expect Pull yourself together, man. Like, have you ever been like in that moment where you're scared and you might even rise to terror and somebody comes into the room and just says, calm down. Out of all the times people have been scared, the person walks in the room and says, calm down, that's never worked. What do you expect Jesus to actually say in that moment? Jesus in his grace, in his kindness, in his sovereignty, trampling over the waves, does not reprimand them. No, he speaks to them in his kindness and his grace. And he said to them, he spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The Lord sees us in our distress and he comes to us. And when he comes to us, the Lord is so gracious not to reprimand us, not to give us a speech to rile us up and to get us excited so that we can go out and win the game. No, he comes to us and he speaks a gospel word to reveal who he is that we might rest in him. He reveals to us in his speaking who he is that we might rest in him. What do I mean by that? Jesus' word is, take heart. Be of good courage. Believe, trust, rely. Put your confidence in me. It is I. But there's a better translation than just merely, it is I. Take heart, I am. That's what the text says. Take heart, I am is here. Literal translation from the Greek is I am. Be of good courage. Trust me. Believe me. Put your confidence in me. I am is here. He reveals himself to us, saying that I am the covenant God who's drawn near to you in your distress to show you that I have come close to you. Take courage. Take heart. Believe. And in their anxiety and in their fear, he says to them, Do not be afraid. I am has come near. Again, what difficulties do you face? What trouble are you in? 
What are you facing right now where it seems like all the wind is against you? The Lord sees. He's come to you. And he speaks this word to you even now. And it is a gracious word revealing who he is and what he's come to do to give you courage, to establish your heart, to to give you faith, to trust him, but also not to be afraid. Now we hear do not be afraid, but maybe we need to break it down in more application. When you are afraid, how do you respond? Are you a flailer? You just begin to raise your hands and run around the room like, oh no, what are we going to do? We got to fix, I got to fix, I got to hurry, I got to do something. Like everything just begins to spin and the world gets really fast all of a sudden. It's like, you know, the chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Are you a flailer? Hey, I'm not here judging you. I'm one of you. Maybe you're not a flailer. Maybe you're, again, I'm with you here too. Maybe you're a spiraler. It's bad but I know the way to make it worse. It's really difficult. And I know how to make it even more difficult by spiraling even further down. How do you respond when you're afraid? Maybe you freeze. You get a spine of steel and you just can't move. You just have to watch what's going on around you because you don't know what to do. Are you a flailer, spiraler? Do you freeze? How many of you are avoiders? It's not real. It's not happening. It's not, it'll go away. It's, it's, not, it's just a thing. You, you, just, you won't name the thing. How long have you been avoiding addressing what I asked you to think about earlier? That problem that you're facing. That, difficult your family, that difficulty your family's going through. Have you been avoiding that? Have you been flailing? Have you been spiraling? Have you been freezing? Jesus comes to us in our distress and he says, do not be afraid. Be still and know I am the Lord. Be still, I am is here. Cease striving. Your God has come near to you and he has spoken his word of assurance to you. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, Again, think about these situations that you face, the hardships and the trials that you are encountering right now, and hear Jesus speak to you in the midst of that. Hear what Jesus said his disciples in the, to his disciples in the midst of the storm. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The sovereign Lord who sees you has come to you, and he has spoken his word to you. Will you trust him? Will you believe him? Will you put your confidence in who he says he is in the midst of your difficulty? Well, I say that and I ask that because we need to see the response of the disciples. Again, with all the wind blowing and all the storm raging around them, it says in verse 51, and he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. The wind did not cease until he got into the boat with them. He spoke to them. He revealed himself to them in the midst of their difficulty, in the midst of their storm. And only after he says who he is, does he get into the boat and the storm ceases. But what grace that after revealing himself to us, 
He brings peace to the environment. But we have to ask ourselves, do we really trust him? Are we putting our confidence in him? Are we relying on him? Because the disciples, it says in the text, they were utterly astounded. They were utterly astounded. They're they're amazed by what has just taken place in their midst. But what's the reason for their astonishment? You see it? Right there in verse 52. They're astounded, not because they just saw the Lord Jesus walking to them on the waves. They're astounded for they did not understand about the loaves. What? They're astounded for they did not understand about the loaves. They did not see that the Lord led them out into the wilderness and provided for them bread in the wilderness to meet their every need. They were so confused. They did not even see the Lord Jesus Christ, the great I am, there in the wilderness place with them, providing for the crowds, but providing perfectly for his disciples. Their hearts were hardened. They did not understand who it was that was speaking to them. Why? Their hearts were hardened. They perceived with their eyes. They heard with their ears. They saw the miraculous working of God in their midst. But yet, their hearts were still hardened and they could not discern what had just taken place. That's why we need to pay very careful attention when we sing psalms like Psalm 95. The Lord sees you. He will come to you. He will speak to you. But are you responding with faith? Are you responding by putting your trust in Him and your confidence in Him? Or have you just heard an encouraging word for just a moment to help you forget the trouble that you're in. Faith lays hold of who Jesus is and what he does in your midst and says, I can trust him and I will not let go of him. But a hardened heart steps back and goes, who is this? What is this? And doesn't rest in the fact that I am has drawn near. Where are you this evening? Where am I this evening? We have this beautiful text in front of us revealing us who Jesus is and how he, he reacts on behalf of his people. That he knows your concerns. He knows your needs. He knows the troubles that you're in. He sees you. And in his grace and in his power, he comes to you. He comes to you even now through the preaching of his word. And what does he say to us? He says exactly what he said to his disciples. Take heart. I am is here. Do not be afraid. Are you listening? Are your ears open? Are your eyes open, ready to perceive him? But the question I have to ask you, is your heart resting in him? Are you believing on the Lord? If you are in the midst of your storm, He will have fellowship with you and He will come and He will make His home with you. He will make His abode with you. He will bring peace to you even in the midst of your difficulty. If you will trust who He is and what He has come to do for you. 
But let us be careful not to harden our hearts. Let us be careful not to have a real reckoning with our hearts. Where is my confidence now? Where is my confidence tonight? Is your confidence for your personal problem, your ability just to work harder to get you through, your ability to eat right and to exercise more, to fall, to, to have better sleep and then you'll be okay? Or is your confidence in the Lord who has come to bring salvation to you? What about your home life? Are you looking to the Lord to act? Are you asking the Lord to come and to act mightily in the midst of your trouble? Or are you trying to look for the quick fix or what they call these days the hack? What's the life hack I can just adopt so that my problems will go away? There is no life hack. You need the Lord. We need the Lord to come to us. We need the Lord to be with us and to speak to us. Take heart. Do not be afraid, even in our churches. It seems like we're in trouble. He sees. He knows. And he speaks to us that I am is here. Where is your confidence? Let it not be in princes. Let it not be in men. Let it be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is your confidence? Lift your eyes. Look inside the storm because there's one who's looking for you and he will come to you and as he comes, he will reveal himself to you because he's passing by you in order for you to know who he is. The Lord God, the Lord Jesus, I am, has come. Trust him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the assurance that we have, knowing that you see us and you know us and you come to us in our distress. You don't leave us in our distress by just drawing near to us. No, you, you speak a comforting word to us. You speak that you are the God who has come near to us so we can take courage. We don't need to be afraid. We can have peace knowing that you are with us. I am is here. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear and believe and receive the word. And by your spirits working in our hearts, would you bring faith that we might trust Jesus more and have confident assurance that he is with us in the midst of our difficulties. Lord, speak peace to our hearts and bring calm to our storms. We look to you. We ask for you to do these things because we know that you are the sovereign Lord who tramples the waves. Therefore, you can act and bring peace in the storm. Lord, if there are any hearts here that are hardened this evening, Lord, I pray by your spirit that you would soften them and that you would give them the light of the gospel to illuminate their minds and their hearts to see how precious and how powerful and how glorious Jesus is and that we would all together put our confidence and our trust in him. For you are worthy, you are great, and we trust you. So Father, continue to work salvation in our hearts through your word and by your spirit as we look to King Jesus, our sovereign Lord who tramples the waves. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.